When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to the Chills. What a week. A six-pointer. Wow, I've forgotten what this kind of week felt like. I'm actually enjoying watching us again. And hopefully, someone else who's enjoying watching us again is Mr Andy Saunders. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. You know, I've forgotten that feeling. Seriously, I mean, I say it in the beginning, a six-pointer. But you forget when when something like that happens... Jess, what joy you feel. It's it's kind of weird. Do you feel the same? Irrespective of performances, suddenly to be on a winning trail, it just lifts a Monday, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, you know, I mean, new manager bounce and everything. We're all excited about what's happening and wins always help. And, uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's good. I'm, I'm um, containing my excitement a little bit. Um, I think we have to see how it how it pans out. You, you often do get a new manager bounce. Um, can't argue with the results. We'll, we'll talk about them in some detail, but let, let's reserve judgment a little bit because we've been down that all getting overexcited path before, and it's it's made us look a little bit silly. So, well, speak for yourself. I've never made myself look silly not once. I like yeah. getting overexcited. <laughs> Maybe not in the last ten minutes, but you know. <laughs> Well, you know, I, it's just the way I am. But uh, how's your week been other than football? All right, it's snowing at the moment, which is pretty. Um, uh, yeah, fine, fine, you know, Groundhog Day, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's Groundhog Day. And how are um, you feeling after your bout of COVID? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, yeah, I, I came out of quarantine on Thursday and went out into a normal lockdown and went, oh, it's not too different. Um, but yeah, no, I, I felt fine. I, I, th- I think I said um, to you um, earlier that there was a period after three or four days where suddenly I just went, oh, I'm feeling okay. And Good. and it it was like that, and the, you watch out for that. Supposed there's a kind of a bounce back after seven to ten days, but didn't happen. Everything went okay. Um, the greatest thing I bought was an oximeter. Um, I'm sure, somebody will correct me and say it's an oximeter. Actually, um, well, whatever it measures the oxygen in your blood. And one of my close friends, Lou, she's a, a nurse, or I think she's actually a matron now. She said one of those is worth having. It's where you put your finger in, and this little box just reads your oxygen levels. Um, and it's one of the quickest ways to uh, spot whether you're about to have a, uh, a, a COVID breakdown. Um, mm. So that was quite fun, playing with that all the time and watching my ox- oxygen levels grow up through the, the week. So, yeah, that's the kind of fun you have when you have COVID, Andy. Good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, out the other side, and Jackie Excellent. is too. She's Good. recovered. So, yeah, we're, we're back to normal. 
Um, oh, so touch yes, wood. touch wood. That's uh, it's all uphill from here. So that's good. Yeah, it's all uphill. That's kind of a weird one because uphill can be quite hard work. Well, I suppose yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. I do know what you not mean. Not downhill. No, not downhill. Okay, right. My first question for the for for today is pronunciation. Um, I've had a few conversations on Twitter about this. How do you pronounce our manager's name? Tuchel. Tuchel is absolutely correct. Yeah. What do you think it is? No, no. Apparently, I said a couple of times last week, uh, Tuchel. Um, right. And somebody said, "Just get rid of it. It's not." And you I went say on... a couple of conversations. This is one pedant that's picked you up on it. <laughs> Two pedants, <laughs> which is fair enough because I hate getting you know having a name which is only four letters long, which is usually mispronounced by many many people. Um, I don't like getting names wrong for people, so um, I went and, and checked, and you can even find uh, his name actually being said by German people to teach you the pronunciation. And it mm. is Thomas Tuchel. Mm. You're absolutely right. It's slightly on the, on the CH. Yeah. It's You're not really confusing one. me with somebody who cares. Well, I, I I'm just I trying care. to make you. I, you I, mean, I, pronounce, I pronounce Zayek's name wrong, but accordingly I pronounce Giroud's name wrong. You know, I don't care. <laughs> you don't care? <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't care. All right. Okay, Andy. Uh, let's get on with it. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Right. All of that is over. There is no more pronunciation problems today. Um, we ended up with a, a Thursday night game. I mean, there was a time the only games on a Thursday would be the Europa League. But mm. suddenly we had this behemoth of a game on a Thursday night. But I guess with this whole um covid situation days don't really seem to make much difference now there's football pretty much every day of the week but did it feel odd for you that it was on a thursday night or did you just not care and just went Um, here we go no no not that i didn't care it didn't feel odd because as you say days are sort of blending into one another now and i think we're all we're all sort of working on a on a strange timeline now so i guess it is odd and you're right to make the Europa League comparison, and we don't normally get Premier League football on Thursday. Um, I, but yeah, it just sort of felt normal, really. Um, what what is a bit odd is these six pm kickoffs, uh, which I quite like. I have to say, to finish work and then flick a game on, that's great. You know, I like that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I would like it long term as a as a long term thing. But while we're all stuck indoors, having games at six pm on a midweek is is a good thing. And then obviously having all those games. Tele- Televised as well. Uh, it seems like all the games are televised now, which is great, uh, and hopefully that stays. Um, so there's lots to like, um, but no, it, it didn't. It didn't feel particularly odd because life is odd. <laughs> it is. It is one of the oddest things at the moment. And um, okay, so so this was the first chance to see what are considered to be two top tacticians at work. And I think we talked last week that, you know, Jose would have a plan in place. He'd probably park the bus, but he'd have ideas of this, that, and and what have you. Um, Tuchel, we know, also likes to rotate, but with uh, ideas in mind of something specific he wants. So considering that, were you feeling like this was too early to be considered a big showdown between two big managers? Or was this exactly what it was? No, I, th- I think it was. Um, no, I don't think it could be too early because these are two managers that pride themselves on having a strategic approach to to games. Um, and we know that that's one of Tuchel's strengths is that he's a football nerd. He looks at he looks at the game from a strategic point of view and we also know that's Mourinho as well so no I don't think it was too early to to look at those two guys and say they were going to approach the the game in in a very for want of a better word academic way yeah uh, absolutely so did you did you think that there were going to be some big surprises from Jose in the game what 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 was your main concern going into Thursday night? Had you thought about what could be a problem for us that they might do? 
Well, not really, because he's become a little bit predictable, to be honest. I mean, his um, sort of counter-attacking approach to things has become, I think, a little bit predictable. I mean, I thought he might try something different. I mean, you know, I mean, there was an argument that he played a four-two-two-two formation, um, but it didn't. It didn't really um, impress me that much. What was interesting was that I, I, what I thought he would do was try and put someone on Jorginho and, and put someone really close to Jorginho and stop him being an outlet, which is what Sheffield United did, and we will come on and talk about that. But he didn't, and he gave him a load of room in the middle, him and Kovacic, and we bossed the midfield. And oh, that's surprising because Mourinho's all about the midfield normally. Um, and so I just thought, we we I thought Tuka was a lot smarter uh, and a lot more ambitious and a lot braver and got just rewards for it. Okay, so so the side we picked. Um, what did you? I didn't feel think when I didn't think, I didn't think there was a lot of surprises there. No, um, you know, Mendy in goal, Aspilicueta, Silva, Rudiger as a back three, Alonso over Chilwell as the left full uh, wing back, and James uh, over Cho as the right. Uh, wing back was perhaps a surprise. I think we might have thought that Cioche might play. Uh, Jorginho and Kovacic in the middle isn't isn't wasn't a surprise. Uh, Mason Mount in the ten role behind um, Hudson Odoi and Werner, uh, with Hudson Odoi pushed further up. So so you know I mean I guess the Hudson Odoi thing is the only surprise because you know I think a lot of us felt that he that wing back was going to be what he was going to play, but he actually played him as a as a sort of you know front player in this game. Well, so yeah, interesting. I- yeah, and and actually that right hand side of of our team with Aspilicueta on the right of the three, and then Reese in front of him, overlapping Callum, who's in effect a lot of the time playing as inside right. It dovetailed together so well because yeah, there the, there was something about them, and and I I, I said it last week, but honestly. Reese James has got the greatest chest control in in world both, football. Both. He is, both fullbacks have. Alonso yeah. and James have got incredible touch. Yeah, they have. But that that chest from 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 James, I mean he is like a tank now, isn't he? He's he's just so strong. Yeah, we've uh, said that we've said that for a long time, haven't we? That he's he's he gets you know, unstoppable moving forward. Yeah. I think that's a really great way of describing it. Unstoppable moving forward. He he is. And and again, you know, his touch is great, his interplay is great. And you're starting to see things when you see these players playing in close close quarters to each other that they're so used to each other's game. And and we've seen this with Callum and Reese and Callum and Mason and Mason and Reese. You can see they understand each other. Once they know what their role is, they seem to work with that. And that, well, that one, was one, one combination you've missed out is is James and 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 Zayek Zayek Zayek. I'm going to call him Zayek. I don't care. Um, James and Zayek's uh, relationship in some of the earlier games under Frank were was really good. And that right hand side is a really potent side for us. And with Aspilicueta uh, providing a little bit of cover for James, it's really playing to his strength of that kind of marauding from deep, uh, wide player who's interacting with an inside an inside forward, as you say. I think it's it's um, it's really good. I mean, Frank Frank did do some work on that side of the pitch, um, but I think Tuchel's taken it to a different level with the way that he's employing some of these players and and giving some of these players the freedom to you know to to, to work within a in, in a much more effective system for them. Do you think, actually, with the players that we've got, that actually three suits the players that we've got better than any other system? It gives them a freedom, but also the ability to control when needed. Three at the back? Yeah. I've always said that. I, I always said that three at the back was our strongest, uh, our strongest setup because we've got a lot of players that are essentially centre-backs and, you know, why not play them to their strengths? And I don't think that the that the... Fullbacks that we've got are necessarily great fullbacks that better wingbacks. And when you've got players like James and Alonso, who are so good going forward, we should be playing to those strengths. We shouldn't be trying to fit a system around, you know, a, a philosophy that the manager's got in their head. We should be looking at the players and go, how do we best? How do we best work with them? 
So would you say that actually Tuchel's uh, greatest at asset and attribute in these early days is that he's come in and he's recognised certain players can do certain things. You know, we were concerned when he took over that first team when it was just the experienced players. How quick everyone who's come in who's had to really take their chance, like when Rhys James came on for his first substitute appearance the other week, he came on and he looked good and starts the next game. Mm. Um, Do you think this is what is so interesting about Tuchel, is that he has no defined, definite team. You can go in and earn your place. And all the young players that, you know, let's face it, there were were people who were worrying about people like Mason Mount or Reese James or Tammy or Callum. They're actually having to do it all over again and show just how potentially good they can be and how good they are right now. Yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, we're four with three three games in, four games in, um, four. And, four games in, and and yeah, I mean, he's having a look at the players. Um, I, I like the fact that he's obviously done a little bit of research on the players, and he's identified areas in some players that that, that would suit them really well. I mean, the obvious player is Callum Hudson Odoi. You know, that that shift to to, to right wing back was really a tactical masterclass you know um, and, and then to change it again for the Spurs game is really interesting I think that he's clearly looked at that what he calls double six in Jorginho and Kovacic and thinking he, he wants that at the base of his midfield uh, the Alonso coming in from the cold thing is is interesting but then we've always known Alonso's a really strong wing back um, Rudiger's coming back into the team over Zuma uh, it is interesting as well um, you know so there's, there's a lot of interesting things going on but let, let's let's you know I go back to this thing let's not get over excited about what Thomas Tuchel's doing he's just looking at the team at the moment and he's seeing what works um, you know it's it's what any decent manager would do yeah, but that that's also quite gratifying and satisfying to to see someone doing this. He seems to be doing well, it's things. What any with... manager would do, though, isn't it, Kerry? That you'd come well, in and you'd look you at would various hope players. So. Yeah, you say, would hope I think so. People are getting a little bit too overexcited about about this kind of managerial revolution. He's just tinkering at the moment. I think. Yeah, he is, but he's tinkering with purpose, and that's that's yeah, where it working. Works you're right. Favorite. You're absolutely yeah. right. It is. Sorry to interrupt. It is working. Um, so from that perspective, you're absolutely right, and it's good to see. I'm not. I'm not being negative about it. I just just think that you know, like like any manager coming into a new team who's got a big squad of highly talented players. He is trying different combinations, trying to to figure out how to best play you know, play best of their strength. I mean, it's one thing watching a player on TV and you know and uh, seeing how they perform in a match. It's another thing working with them on the training ground and get to know their personalities and 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 seeing whether they have any chemistry with you. And you know that's often the downfall of a lot of players is they're brilliant players but they just don't connect with the manager. And, and there's a lot of that going on at the moment. And if you look at a player like Chilwell at the moment, you wonder. You wonder, you wonder where his place is in the team or whether it's going to be, you know, when we do play certain teams, you're going to play there and when, when we don't, Alonso. It's interesting. But at the moment, it's no more than that. I'm not, I'm not coming to any conclusions on it after four games. It's, it's interesting. Um, I'll, 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 after 15 games, let's have this conversation and we can pull it apart and dig, dig a bit deeper on it, I think. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I, but all you can do is look at what's going on. And yeah. his tinkering is at the moment is working and it's with purpose that he's yeah. trying to do something specific. Um, so I, I like that. I, you mentioned the double six there, Jorginho and Kovacic. Look, Which you both, hate. Well, I have done at times without doubt, um, especially when they just do two or three hundred passes between the two of them. But it's not been like that. Um, he's got well, ask yourself forward. why that was. Ask yourself why they were doing two or three hundred um, passes between each other. Do you think they were doing it just for shits and giggles? Um, I think, yeah, I probably. Think, I think they were doing it because there wasn't no anything happening in front of yeah. them. There wasn't any movement. There wasn't any. There wasn't any systemic plan to to get people into positions where they could be found so i think you know they were always certainly Jorginho was the lightning rod for a lot of critics who only passes back and sideways well where do you want to play where do you want him to play it when when there's no movement 
before it's drive me insane listening to people around me saying that it's like well are you watching the game look at the movement in front of you the, the system doesn't work at the moment, if you've got nobody running. So, of course, he's going to play, you know, uh, backwards and sideways because that's all he can do. Exactly. But so why was it our players couldn't find space or make runs, whereas now they can? Is that just purely down to instruction from the manager? Wingbacks helps. Yeah. Having wingbacks helps. Um, you know, certainly in the Wolves game, we saw, uh, which was Tuchel's first game, we saw a lack of movement and, and, a, and, a, and a lot of static play. Um, and I think he's very quickly identified that and said, you know, I want, I want you to operate as inside forwards. You know, certainly Hudson and Doyen Werner, you know, an inside 10, as he called um, uh, Werner, which is I want you to operate coming in, coming in at a diagonal, offering angles, offering offering options, because, you know, the, just playing in straight lines doesn't doesn't work, isn't going to, you know, give us the the options that we need to play to the strengths of those players. So what he's done is basically said, Let, let's look at the angles that these balls are going at. If we're just going to pl- pass in straight lines, it's not going to work. And if we're just going to put it over the top, it's not going to work. We need to put you in positions where you can make runs, where you can be found. That's what he's done. And that that's interesting. It's really interesting. And it'll be interesting to see if other managers pick up on that and what they do to counter it and whether that opens up space in other areas of the pitch. Okay, so that that uh, Jorginho and Kovacic double six, do you think that Tuchel is a kind of manager who considers that area the heartbeat of the team? So he may be loath to change it. Does this cause uh, issues for, say, Kante getting back in as a starter all the time? Or do you think we'll just see him mix it up? I, I think he loves Kante and he's been very vocal about how much he admires Kante. Um, it's very... It's going to be very interesting over the next five or six games to see what he does with Kante uh, now that Kante's fit. Because I think he likes Jorginho and Kovacic. Um, he particularly likes Jorginho. He likes he likes Jorginho for the reasons that we like Jorginho when it works, which is he's always an outlet. He's always uh, there to to play the simple pass. He's always there to make the angle. Um, you know, he's a register. You know, I know people hate that phrase and they think it's kind of hipster football, but that's what he is. And um, you know, in in a setup like this, it works really well if you don't put a man on him and he gets time and space. Kovacic is interesting. I'm loving Kovacic's driving runs that he's making at the moment, where he's picking the ball up and running. He, he, he's, he's running into less trouble than he did previously and, and actually doing something with the ball because before he would pick it up and just run straight into a crowd of players. Now he's actually finding uh, finding players, which is a lot to do with the movement. Um, you know, he still needs to add you know, some, some penetrative assists and, and hopefully goals to his game, I think. Um, but, you know, he's doing his job really well. I think he's played really well recently. So it's difficult to see where Kante fits in. He came on yesterday, you know, as a substitute against Sheffield United and did OK. Couldn't really tell an awful lot from, from what he did. But be interesting to see what, if he starts a game where, where he plays with whoever he plays with. Yeah, I, I also think there's something to be said for it's going to take Tuchel a while to work out the Premier League. For me, I would have thought, actually, Kante would have been a better fit to start against Sheffield United yeah. than Jorginho. But 100%. we'll get on to that. Yeah, we'll get on to that later. So he's he's on a learning curve. There's only so much I'm sure he can learn in the three or four days before a game. But um, but yeah, going, going back to the Tottenham game... Um, that midfield, it was ticking. Um, and the way Mason Mount, I mean, I have to say, the first half of football from Chelsea was one of the best halves I've seen us play consistently in a long, long time. Everything was very fluid about it. Everybody was making runs. Tottenham just said, hey, look, you do what you like with the ball. We're not going to get involved. And Mason Mount ran them ragged through the first half. Yeah, it, it was a really good half of football, although we just didn't we didn't make enough chances, Kerry. 
you know, it was pretty and and it was uh, controlling and it was dominant, but there just weren't there wasn't enough penetration. There was not enough going on in the final third. You know, we got a penalty after 24 minutes with Werner winning winning another penalty um, off a crazy challenge by Eric Dyer on the ground, um, which was brilliantly converted, I thought, by Jorginho. He sort of binned his hop, skip, and jump for for power and uh, and scored a great penalty, and and that that did as well. But if you look at what we were doing in and around the box weren't really doing enough were we no uh, that that was going to be my point the the football we played in that first half was fantastic but we still have that age-old problem that we've had for the last two and a half three years for the amount of possession we have and for the amount that we do with the ball we don't do enough actually inside the box you know, two shots on target in the entire game we had. Um, so, you know, in terms of best games of football I've seen us have for, for ages, it wasn't for me for that reason. Because I don't want to watch pretty football. You know, I want to watch winning football. And we won the game. And we won the game against a, you know, a very good manager. The Spurs were crap, though. I mean, they weren't good. Particularly in the first half, they were dreadful. We should have been three, four goals up. You know, we we should have annihilated them, but we didn't. And and so from that point of view, you're probably not as excited as you are about that. I, well, I can see an evolution happening. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, lo- I love, I love, I loved. Sorry to which I loved, I loved the fact that we were playing with confidence and we were knocking the ball about. But you know what? If, if there's no end product to that, that's all a bit Arsenal. Yeah, it, it wasn't quite so arsenally. We were—I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, I, t- I totally get what you mean. What what I'm seeing is—I don't want to piss on your chips because no, if, you en- if you enjoyed it, you enjoyed it, and 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 I enjoyed watching us be comfortable for once because too often we've been overrun in midfield or dominated by other teams or you know we've 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 just looked you know you know like like we were in the Leicester game completely overwhelmed in midfield to have that level of comfort was great it was a relief more than anything um I just got very frustrated that we just couldn't we couldn't do anything in the final third but there's also this the other side of it this team has often been overrun in midfield Finally, it's getting back into it. And maybe it's, you know, the muscle memory still needs to be pushed back into action. It's been a long time since we've had that kind of possession where things are possible. We've had games where we've had loads of possession where nothing's possible. And and maybe he'll work through that and he'll say, well, now you've got to learn how to go that extra mile. And he talks about it quite a bit, about we need to be more... Uh, active and direct in and around the penalty area. So he he will know what's going on. But I think considering where we've been over the last couple of years, the signs are there that actually once everyone's really comfortable with the way we're playing and the setup that we're playing under Tuchel, we should see an advancement. And that that's all you can hope for. So I guess the the next point of order about the Tottenham game is biggest concern must be and the man we've talked about we needed to rely on all season uh it's a 36 year old in tiago silva when he went down and just lay there and just uh, uh, that shot you know it's an experienced footballer he had his chin on his hands and just was shrugging as if to go yeah it's over don't even think about it i'm gone Um, it was a real blow it was a blow it was you know you know um I would like to say that over the, the person who stepped up to the plate in Christensen, uh, he reminded me of the Christensen that we thought we had a few years ago. It suits him so tremendously well being in a three, doesn't it? And, yeah. and he's another player mm-hmm. actually came in. And I think in this last game and a half, he's taken his chance and he's gone, you know what? I can do this job for you. And I have a bit more confidence in him than, than I have had for a long time. Yeah, well, he very much suits a three, I think. He's, he's, he's always looked better in a three than a four. Um, you know, he can play with the ball at his feet. He's, he's very good uh, in possession. I think this will work really well for him. And he came on and slotted him well and, I think, did himself uh, a lot of favours in the manager's eyes by, you know, being a, 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 you know, putting putting in a really good, calm, measured uh, performance. And and frankly, over the last couple of games, he's been almost faultless, I think. Yeah, and it says something as well, because that central player in the three 
is in a lot of ways one of the most important because they're invariably the ball player. And there's been a couple of runs he's had coming through the opposition half, which have been breathtaking. And there was once, I think it was in the, in the Tottenham game, where he came through about three players, passed it, and he carried on on his run and stayed at centre forward right on the penalty spot. And he thought, well, that's confidence. Mm. Uh, he, he, scuttled, he scuttled back when he needed to, but... That's something we haven't seen for a long time, that kind of uh, central defensive player who suddenly just smashes it all to pieces in front of him. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see this evolution, as I keep calling it. But also it does show, for me, the only way <clears throat> Zuma will get back in the side is if Rudiger is injured or dropped. That looks like the only position he would be able to come in, isn't it? Because... I think Aspi is nail on. He suddenly looks like the player of several years ago now. He looks so much happier. He's not getting caught out. He can read the game better from a three. So if Zuma's ever going to get in, surely it's only in Rudiger's position. And I think Tuchel really likes Rudiger as well um, and will be keeping him in. So I think possibly the biggest defensive loser at this moment in time, is is Kurt Zuma. Yeah, it, it seems that way. Um, certainly, Kurt's got his strengths. Uh, aerially, he's very dominant. Um, I think that, obviously, the, the goals that we're scoring from set pieces have dropped because he's not been there. Uh, he's a big physical presence. But again, in a three, you don't really need that. Um, so if we were playing four at the back, then I think Kurt would be, would, if not nailed on, he'd stand a much better chance. Uh, and who's no, who knows if we get another injury? But I don't think he's going to be first or second choice at the moment um so yeah he's got a little bit of work to do i think on the training ground to convince the manager that he's a player that can can work within one of these systems yeah i i would agree um and and the second half against tottenham uh it was a much tougher half of football but the thing that impressed us and i, I we talked about it during the game was actually we saw chelsea carry out that dreaded term, and I hate using any of these terms, but game management, it it was good, wasn't it? was good. I mean, Tottenham came out and, 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 and played football in the second half. They pushed further up the pitch. Mourinho obviously saw that they were, you know, not in the game at all and not affecting the game. So they came out and, and you know, we were under a lot more pressure. But I thought we dealt with the pressure extremely well. And, and, and as you say, the game management was good. Uh, we, we soaked it up well. And I think that level of character is something that we're starting to see in the team. And that's really pleasing. Yeah. I, and it just looked as though for pretty much the whole game, everyone was switched on, which is something that we've, which has driven us mad, uh, is that at times players switch off. On the whole, we kept it together and we kept in the match for 90 minutes, especially when they started coming on to us more and we realised that, yeah, just maybe, you know, we're not going to get that much of an opportunity to get forward. We didn't look scared by defending when we had a three. And I think that three helps us as well. It allows everyone to, to find their space on the pitch. Mm. Yeah, 100%, definitely. Yeah, and there was something interesting. I mean, um, this is something that um, that uh, uh, our, our man Timo Werner came out with after the Sheffield United game because he won a penalty in that as well. But I was just going to say, in the Tottenham game, were you surprised that Jorginho took on the, the mantle of penalty taker considering Werner hadn't scored for ages? Uh, was I surprised? No, I mean, they're both penalty takers. They've both missed. Um, you know, Jorginho has obviously put his hand up and, and um, you know, I, don't, I don't know, Kerry, is the answer to this. I wasn't really surprised. They both take penalties, you know. This okay. idea that, that, you know, that, that strikers need goals, so therefore they take penalties, I don't think it necessarily works like that. Well, it was interesting because actually this is my point. Timo Werner said in his interview after the Sheffield United game, they said, so how come you've not taken the penalty or the the one against Tottenham? And he said, well, you know, and they said, don't you want to be scoring goals? He said, you know what? I think it is better that I start scoring goals in open play rather than go and take the penalty. Yeah. I need to be scoring actually in the game. And yeah. I thought that was a really 
cool thing to say because we've all seen players go, oh, let me take the penalty, let me take the penalty, I need to score a goal. For him, it's not like a, a real goal at this moment in time. No, I think that um, the pe- the penalty thing is a bit of a red herring, basically. I mean, the person that, that's best at taking penalties should take the penalties. Um, and, you know, if, if Tuchel and the team think that Jorginho is the best at taking penalties, although he's, he's missed a couple, so is Werner, um, I, I think I don't have a problem with, with Jorginho taking the penalties and both his penalties uh, in the last week have been brilliant. So, as I say, it's, it's, it's not something necessarily to, you know, to, to focus on, I don't think. No, I just think it shows the measure of, of Werner. Yeah, it does. But I think it's a, it's an interesting comment. You know, if he, he also said that he wanted to, you know, to to contribute to team goals. That he wanted that he sees assists as being important as well, and he's absolutely right. You know, those last three goals have all been his assists. Really, one, two penalties, and the assist for Mason. So, you know, he's he's um, you know he's definitely contributing. All right. So, uh, what was your overriding feeling at the end of that Tottenham game? Were you satisfied? Were you delighted? Were you over the moon? Were you going, well, there's still quite a bit of work to do? Listen, everybody was... Everybody likes to beat Tottenham. There's, there's no two ways about it. You know, Mourinho's a, a, a wily coach. They've had really good periods this year. I mean, obviously not having Harry Kane was a blow to them. Um, I, I didn't think they played particularly well in the first half, Tottenham. Uh, they did in the second half. I thought they played very well. I thought we showed character. I think we could have been a little bit more um, effective in the final third. We could have created more chances. Uh, but that'll come. That'll definitely come. Um, so overall, you can't be anything but happy, really, with that result. It's Tottenham. We beat them. Three points. Thank you. Exactly. Thank God for that. That's what I say. Right. Well, look, uh, after that first three points of the podcast, we will be taking a commercial break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. So... It was on to Sheffield United, a completely different proposition, a team that is languishing down at the bottom of the table. Um, But yet you knew they've been a bit of a bogey side since they've been appearing in the Premier League. And you just knew this was going to be a gritty, tough performance that might cause us problems that perhaps Tuchel had not experienced. Is that how you saw it before we went into this one, Andy? No, I thought we'd smash them. (laughs) I genuinely did. They're not very good, you know, and and they haven't been very good this season. They got one sort of spectacular result against Man United and they beat West Brom. But apart from that, they've they've really not shown an awful lot, either defensively or attacking-wise. They don't score goals, ordinarily, uh, and their defence is quite porous. So why wouldn't you expect you could go into that game and beat them significantly, particularly when we're a team with confidence and, and momentum? Yeah, but nobody's really comprehensively smashed them that. There's been one or two results. On the whole, I think they'd lost 13 games by just one goal. But they still um, lost. You know, yeah, they, they, they still did. lost. And, you know, when I say smashed them, it's not about the, 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 the goal difference. It's about, you know, overwhelming them and dominating on the pitch. And, you know, we, we, why wouldn't you go into that game thinking you could do that? Well, I, I think maybe you were more overconfident than me. I mean, I kind of felt we'd win. I mean, judging, judging, you know, getting worried about them because of what they did last year. I mean, they're a very different team this year than they were last year. I mean, last year they were playing with a verve and a, and, and a confidence and a bravery that they haven't demonstrated at all this year. Well, smash them, we didn't. But we did win. But um, we again, what about your thoughts on the team we put out? Well, I, I didn't think it worked and the setup didn't work particularly well um 
you know, we talked a bit earlier about Jorginho. I thought this was a Kante game. Um, uh, but he played He played his double six. He played Jorginho and Kovacic. Uh, as Puliqueta Christensen, who, you know, come on and earned his place in the Spurs game, held it in, in this game. And Rudiger, um, Chilwell in for Alonso. Uh, and then Mount, Werner and Giroud. And, you know, Giroud didn't work at all. So the Jorginho-Giroud thing were, were the issues for me in the, in this formation. Yeah, I mean, it, it. do you think this is because of a lack of knowledge about the opposition um, and he just expected, well, we're playing a team at the bottom, whatever, he learned I, I think something he, out I, of it? Well, I think he, I th- for some reason, I think he just assumed they would sit deep, like Wolves did. And I think, it, you know, he, I, I, I can't imagine he's watched a lot of Sheffield United because that's not how they play. You know, they get on the front foot. You know, they, they work through midfield. You know, yes, they play counter-attacking football, but it's higher up the pitch than a low block. And I think that, you know, Jorginho was, was, was closed down too quickly and pressed too quickly uh, to be able to be effective. And Giroud was completely isolated and did absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, I, it 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 just seemed like the wrong game for me. I, I think you needed someone a little bit more nimble and agile, either Werner in the middle or perhaps even Tammy, because he's you know he's uh, you can't predict quite what he's going to do next. But we we did finally, can I say this? Get the rub of the green. We haven't had a lot of luck a, a lot of this season, and maybe you make your own luck, but. That chance they had in the first minute and then the penalty that was a penalty, um, then being overruled by VAR for offside. We were we were kind of lucky there, weren't we? Yeah, we were. We were. Um, and it wasn't great by Chilwell. Um, I, th- I don't think Chilwell did himself any favours in that game. Um, I thought that he... Uh, you know, was a bit clumsy in that challenge. He didn't look really comfortable in the game at all. Although, of course, he's you know started the the move that led to the goal. Um, but yeah, we were lucky. But you know, luck happens in football, doesn't it? So I think the the, the key is to try and take luck out of the equation, score more goals than the opposition. That that's what our target has got to be: is to just start scoring more goals and being more aggressive and uh, and more impactful and ruthless in front of the goal at the other end. Yeah, it was interesting that um, Callum didn't start and Alonso didn't start. Both mm. have been playing well. I mean, he did say before the game, Tuchel, that his thought was he didn't want Callum and Alonso to be playing three games in 10 days because yeah. there was still a lot for them to do. So he made a deliberate decision to keep them out. And also, I guess he was getting a chance to have a look at Chilwell. Um, so I mean, they both came on after yeah, 62 they- minutes. You know they yeah. both came on early. You know, really, um, to play. Um, so they both they both probably played a little bit more football than he maybe wanted them to because Chilwell and, and Jury wasn't working. Yeah, I, and it, it, but it was it, such interesting substitutions because they weren't. You know, if you're winning a game, sometimes you hold up. We saw a little bit about what makes Tuchel tick as well that he was he was trying to be positive. He still wanted to go for another goal. He didn't want to just sit back and tie it up. He wanted to get us on the front foot still. And I, I think so that's why didn't something. he bring a striker on them? Um, I'm not sure he's got that much faith in Tammy at the moment. Um, I think. But, I mean, you're, I'm asking you to, you know, to, to, to also almost sort of answer your own question, really. If he's getting on the front foot and wants to win the game, why didn't he bring a striker on? Because I think he realised that perhaps it would be easier with Werner sniffing around um, as opposed to bringing Tammy on. Um, I think he wanted more mobility. I think he worked out they were big and a bit lumbering at times at the back and that actually maybe he needed more agile players in there. Tammy's, actually, Tammy's mobile. Can't say that Tammy's not mobile. No, I know. And that's that's what I was saying earlier. So, yeah, I agree with you. But I don't know. I just get the feeling he doesn't quite trust Tammy yet. Um, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I think he thought he could do more down the sides. Mm. With And he also talked about bringing Alonso on because he took Giroud off. So he had to take Chilwell off to give him extra height in their penalty area. 
So again, it's that Mourinho thing about making sure you've got the inches in, oh, yeah. in the I, penalty I, I think, areas. That's absolutely definitely true. I, I yeah. totally agree with that. Um, listen, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just asking the question and posing the yeah. question about Tammy. Um, I thought that uh, Werner was brilliant. I thought he was really, really good in this game. Um, his movement was spectacular. I thought his awareness and his general demeanour was great. And I think he felt like that, in what he called an inside 10 position, was really good and created the angle so people to find him. And, you know, he, the goals will come. The goals will come. I'm, I'm convinced of it. This isn't another Maratta situation or another Torres situation. This is just, you know, a classy player that hasn't quite found his role in the team yet and, or confidence. Um, but I think that he's young enough and working with the manager that believes in him and teammates that believe in him. And, you know, that performance last night was great. Really, really good. Didn't matter that he didn't score. He was a massively impactful player in that game. Yeah, and also you saw that he played slightly differently. Um, As he said, you know, Tuchel is playing him out wider to start with so that he has actually got more space to run into rather than tucking in earlier and well, coming the, inside earlier. About the inside 10. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, but it's, it's interesting. He talked about it and saying this gives me more opportunity now to get into the box as a second striker. Yeah. And I, I think it's true. And, and he looks so <laughs> much more confident running with the ball than he has done all season. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I thought he was actually fantastic. And, and he, again, he said afterwards, and I like listening to him talk because he's very honest about what he thinks and how he feels. And he said, look, you know, for me, I, I, I keep working at it and I'll score. But for me, it is just as important to help create chances for the team. That is the most important thing. Yeah, we said that. We said that yeah. earlier, didn't we? And, and, and it's very true that, you know, he, he is... I've always liked the fact that he's a team player, that you get the sense that he will play for the team. Even though he's a striker and inherently selfish in front of goal, he will play for the team. And he wants to score goals I think goals define him but I don't think that it devastates him when he doesn't if he feels he's had an impact on the game and and he certainly did and the other thing about him he's very different say to uh, someone like Pulisic or uh, Callum who run at people with pace but they dribble and they weave their way through he goes in direct lines and he is all about blistering you with a pace and losing you in the first few yards. And it's incredibly difficult for defenders to, to take on, which is why he gets so many penalties, because he's yeah. alert and alive and he's just straight at them. His movement is brilliant. Also, as well, you see him pointing a lot where he wants the ball and not getting it. And I think that he... You know, the teammates have got to take some responsibility for that. You know, he he's telling them where he wants the ball, and they're not often finding him in those positions. And so, I think there's there's a two way street a little bit. I mean, a lot of you know, he's had chances which he should have taken. We know this. We know we know that. There's no point going over the fact that he's missed some absolute, you know, blinding chances. But I think that you know this. But actually, sort of playing to his strengths is still you know a team responsibility as well. I think. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. And and he was actually, for me, without doubt, man of the match. Yeah, for me um, too. Yeah, absolutely. But closely followed by Mason Mount and Christensen. But but honestly, I thought in a lot of ways it's, this was just about Timo's best game for us. Because well, it's, uh, certainly, I think during this during this sort of very sort of underwhelming run that he's been on, it it did you know it did show some real signs of life, which is great. Yeah. So I. At the end of the day, we got another three points. Well, we There's haven't a... spoken about the, um, you know, the other elephant in the room. Which elephant? Well, his name's Rudiger. <laughs> well, I was gonna, I was just going to say we got three points, but there was one dreadful moment from yeah. our, our defence. Um, yeah, Rudiger. I mean. <sighs> He has had such a strange few weeks. I mean, so much going on around him and surrounding him. Yeah. Um, things said, things uh, said by other people. I can't even be bothered Att- to go into all of that. Attention-seeking idiots. Yeah, well, whatever. You know, the point is, he, ha- he did Well, drop- no, I think it's an important point. It's not, for me, it's not whatever. It's like, if you're 
retweeting or you know or piling in or using snake emojis about our players before you know the full facts then you know you really need to have a word with yourself stop that nonsense you know somebody saying that their brother's uncle's wife is a cleaner at somewhere and she heard something that rudiger had done just you know stop stop getting involved with that stuff it's really damaging to the team it's damaging to the individual player who's already come out and said he got a load of racist abuse off the back of it you know stop doing that grow up yeah exactly and and, you know the racist abuse that's going around all these social media sites i don't you think it's time that if you sign up for these you've got to give your real name and a real address it's the only way you you do stamp this out isn't it i'm always slightly nervous about putting restrictions on web activity a little bit, you know. I'm always, I want to. Th- I want to think it through before I say definitively. Okay. That's what we need to do. I, you know, yes, in principle, in principle, I think there needs to be a trail back to you. If you're given the platform to voice these stuff, you need to take responsibility for that stuff, and there needs to be some kind of trail back to you. Yes, I guess. Um, I, I think the issues a little bit more complex than that and need some thought. But in in principle, yes, I think that you know if you. Just because you say things on social media, it doesn't mean that you know that you don't. You're not above the law of defamation or slander. Uh, you're not above the law. You know, if you use language that's illegal. So yes, I think that something needs to be done. What needs to be done? I think we need to we need to think that through. But hopefully, they'll come up with some kind of solution. No, I think you're you're correct there. There needs to be some way of working out a trail, however it's done. Um, because then people can be held accountable. And, yeah. and It is about accountability. I think yeah. freedom of speech comes with, with responsibility. It comes with responsibility. It doesn't mean you can just say what you want. You know, it, can't, it comes within a framework of, of law. And, you know, people are out there breaking the law. You know, if you make racist comments or, or, or you know, comments that are deemed as hate speech on social media, you're breaking the law. And there needs to be some comeback to that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's get back to the the, the, the elephant. Yeah, the, the elephant in the room. Well, well, well. What a dainty little touch it was. Wasn't Brilliant, own goal. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, how much how much does Mendy take responsibility for that as well? Did he get a shout? Did Rudy get a shout? I mean, surely the goalkeeper should have been just saying, get rid of it. You know, I mean, I don't know whether he did or not. I mean, I think it was really, really poor by Rudiger. Really poor to not have just put his foot through it and got rid of it. Didn't take responsibility, did he? Um, And it was a big mix-up. But, you know, I think goalkeeper's got to take some responsibility for it as well. Probably not as much as Rudiger. It's it's Rudiger's ball to deal with. But he's got his back to what's going on. Um, The goalkeeper's got to be screaming for him. I've watched it a few times and I can't tell, so I'm not going to I'm not going to make any aspersions about about Mendy. But you know, if it was a mix-up, you know, and that's putting it kindly. I think I think in that situation, you put your foot through the ball and you you, you know you, you do the safe thing. You don't take that kind of chance. However, this is what I wanted to say about Rudiger. Uh, yes, it was terrible, but I think he made some monster challenges and monster blocks after that and he could have just shriveled up let it get to him play timidly let it get inside his head and he didn't and on a couple of occasions particularly that header from the in-swinging free kick uh you know i think that prevented an almost certain goal um and there was a couple of blocks towards the end as well i I think he's a, a player that you know that doesn't let that kind of thing get him down and i think when a player atones for a mistake like that when he when he gets himself out of trouble you've got to give him credit as well i don't think let him off for 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 that bit of idiocy you know he's got to own that and he'll know that as much as anybody else but i think also give him credit for for his head not going down and, and actually putting in a really good performance after it well two things out of that one one is that I slightly get worried and concerned that because we dink it around at the back an awful lot, sometimes they forget. Sometimes you just need to belt the ball out. Don't worry about it going for a corner, but certainly don't hit it between the posts, whether the keeper's there or not. Always aim to the side. Um, uh, And the, the, the other side is that actually making such a dreadful mistake as that just may... Give him a tonic to lift his game. Because he's been okay since he's got back. But I would agree with you. After that, he was he was right in the thick of it. He was almost silver-like, mm. if, if you know what I mean. He just was in the right place to block to do this. And sometimes making a mistake 
can make you become better at other things. So players yeah, make the, mistakes. Look, they're the other human two, beings. Of course they you do. know, we, we saw Alisson make two absolute howlers for Liverpool <laughs> yesterday, uh, which was great oh, to see. You're not going to laugh at that, no, are you? great to see. But, you know, he's, he's a top, top goalkeeper. There's no denying it. I mean, even the best players make horrendous mistakes, you know. So yeah. I'm never going to cane a player uh, necessarily for making a mistake because they're human. I mean, what, what I want to look at is how do they deal with that? How do they react to it? What's their response to it? And I think Rudiger's response to it was really good so you know i think i think we move on draw a line and yeah. we move on and we hope that he learns from it absolutely so anyway we left a freezing cold um there's one moment i don't know if you heard it from the um from the uh, commentators and they were going on about how cold it was and the ball went out to our left wing back and went out to chill well mm. and i just thought that summed it up it looked like a, a cold night to be playing football but we got the three points and we come back down south um with them in the bag well three points up to fifth one point behind liverpool uh three points ahead of tottenham albeit they've got a, a game in hand same goal difference um we've got you know three wins out of four uh 10 points out of 12 i mean that's all good good positive news and we've got Newcastle next Monday when everybody else has got difficult games at the weekend so if we win that we could be in a very very good position yeah absolutely so we move on and uh, actually we now move on to the FA Cup um, on Thursday I presume we came back south rather than hang around up north to go to Barnsley Um, that, that, that I'm kind of intrigued by this because it's almost feels like we might revert to the old days of actually not seeing the first team out. He might think, you know what, maybe I can rest some players for this game. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll put out the, you know, pretty much the same sort of side. I don't know. But you would think there must be a chance, mustn't there, for some of the fringe players to get a look in? I think so. I I, I think that... He'll want to look at them for one thing, um, and I think he's probably been given very clear instructions that top four is the priority uh, this year financially more than anything, um, and that's where he needs to, to you know to to, to focus. Um, I think all managers want to win silverware. They certainly want to win silverware in their first season. Barnsley looks like it's a you know winnable game, you know, but these you know trips to the you know beyond the wall up north uh, are always tricky but yeah you'd think you'd see Billy Gilmore you'd think you'd see Zuma he, he might even have a look at Kepa um, there's you know there's there's opportunities for other players in and around the you know the fringes of the squad to play as well Tammy might get a game so um, I think that he won't go silly I don't think he'll put out an under 23 team I think he'll mix youth and experience but it'll be be interesting to see what he does and yeah, I mean he's the kind of manager that wants to win he's like Mourinho he wants to win every game he's, his attitude is if it is if it if you're in it you should win it yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um what kind of score can we expect from that one? I don't I don't think it'll be ludicrous. I think I think maybe 2-0. Yeah. I'd like okay. to, I'd like the, I'd like to keep the clean sheet thing going. I'd like I'd like to, you know, to to um, you know, to to build a bit of a, a, a reputation as being a solid defense. Yeah, I I'm I'm going to go for 3-0. Okay. Um, I mean, it's very um, possible, isn't it? I mean, they're a team that are, you know, way, way below us. But, it, but it'll be it'll be their final, you know, against a big team like us. They'll they'll come up for it. They'll be they'll be bang up for it, and we've got to make sure we are as well. Hey, who knows? It could be nil nil and penalties. We've had <laughs> we've had issues with this team before. <laughs> exactly. So let's just uh, see what happens. And then uh, Monday night football, which is always I still think Monday nights a weird night as well for football. Um, we don't do it that often but it's Newcastle Mm. Um, funny side we get an awful lot of draws with Newcastle and I really hope that we don't get a draw on Monday against them they're a bogey team they're a bogey yeah, they team are. for us, and and proper, uh, and and they're they're a funny old team this season. They've gone through real fits and starts of of form and 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 not doing it. I mean, Bruce looks like he was on the verge of getting sacked, and then strung a couple of results together. And you know, they've got you know some decent players. They've got some some really tricky players like Sam Maximam, who's who's now fit again. Um, they look they look like the kind of team that if they turn up on the night, they can put in a performance. But equally, they could just not show up. Um, I would like to think that 
Tuchel's strategic brain is better than Steve Bruce's, um, and that we can put together a setup and uh, uh, you know a, a, a strategy that will get around Newcastle's deficiencies, of which there are many. So I'd like to think we could win that. Yeah, me too. Um, and I do think it depends which Newcastle turns up. Yeah, but I'm going to go. My point, you know, if they turn yeah. up, they can, they can, they can play, and if they if they don't, they won't. You know. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for a two nil on this one. Mm. I think what one. I'm going to go one nil. I, I, I just, I'm not convinced that we're firing on all cylinders up front at the moment. So I'm going to go one. I hope it's more. I, okay. think, I think we'll win. Brilliant. Well, um, that's just about it. Um, I have to say that. What do you think about the title for this podcast? You came up one for one for last week. Do you think we should use it this week? Yeah, too we cool don't for school. Too cool for school. Yeah, we should definitely use that this week because because okay. he is. Did you see those photos of him looking like a hipster? You know, he's done some modelling photos. Um, he's he's way too cool. Excellent. Well, I'm just giving you the credit for coming up with this one. <laughs> so, so, right, okay. If people want to get in touch with us, what's the best way to do so? Uh, Twitter's usually pretty good. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Chelsea Podcast. Uh, you can follow me on at Mr A Saunders, or you can follow Kerry on at Kerry Levy, which is C E R I L E V Y. Uh, on Insta, it's at the Chelsea Podcast, or uh, I'm on at One True Saunders, or you can follow Kerry on at Kerry Levy one. Excellent. What's Einster? Insta. That's what I said, isn't it? You said Einster. Did I say Einster? Yeah. Insta. I mean, that's a really to, clever one. I've gone all German. I know. It's, it was excellent. I Instagram. loved it. Instagram. Well, everyone, get on Einster. <laughs> so that's where it's all at, I tell you. Brilliant. Andy, thank you ever so much. As always, great to chat to you. Um, I hope you survive the snow. Mm. Um, it's it's increased by about three inches while we've been chatting where I am. Yeah. Um, we'll get the snow plough out. And we'll be back for next week. Take it easy. See you later. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.